2 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse number 15. How many got caught up on the hour you lost today? Amen. A couple of you. All right. He'll take us a week to get over his time change. Amen. And uh, it messes us up. And, uh, but we'll get back on, on track. But I appreciate you being here today. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. And thou from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. One verse, let's read it together. Ready? And thou from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Let's pray and ask the Lord just to help us. Elijah, how about you praying? Amen. Look this way for just a moment. We started 2020 and beknownst to us, our lives were fixing to be turned upside down as never in the history of our nation. And I suppose there was more questions than most of us had answers for but one of the things that I've learned very quickly that since that day in first of 2020 our world has been in a chaotic mess. Now we've just changed the, the message we're in. We found that one thing is, is pretty well dying out. I love the news media. Where's Fauci? They're hunting for him. He's done gone. And uh, the truth is now it's a war. It's a battle of Russia and Ukraine. I heard today that uh, Iran is uh, sending missiles to Iraq. And so this war over there in the Middle East is really starting to crank up and it's, it's becoming a bigger mess than what it is now. And that leads me to, to address what are we to do? What are, you, what are you and I to do? Of course, we know... We need to be praying for our country, and certainly we can do that. We should. But what can we do? Well, I settled very early in 2020. There's one, one statement. I said, we had better know what we believe and who we believe in. Now, it's not a time, and we're not... We're, we're, we're not living in this day of wishy-washy haphazardness of what you believe and who you believe in. It's not going to get you through. We've got to know what we believe. 
and who we believe in. So tonight in our theme this year, and I am so, I am so passionate about our theme of being rooted in Christ. I'm beginning a theme tonight or a series tonight rooted in what we believe series. And if we're going to address what we believe, we've got to start with the foundation of what we believe in. And so the title of the message is Why We Believe the Bible. How many's got your Bible tonight? If you don't have a Bible, please let me know. I will give you one. And uh, uh, so we, we must know why we believe the Bible. It, it's it's got to be more. It's got to be more. Yeah, I, preacher, I, I believe the Bible. Yes, I, I believe. If I, if I ask, do you believe the Bible? I, every hand would go up. But if I ask you the question, why do you believe it? Why do you believe it? Give me details of why you believe the Bible. Why is it different than any other book? Why is it different than this morning's newspaper? And why is it different than, than, than great books that uh, other people have written? Why, why is this book different? Well, tonight I'd like to address that very thought of why we believe the Bible. I love this story. Three churches uh, in a little town, there was a Methodist, Presbyterian, and a Baptist. And they were all struggling to exist, so they finally decided the only way they would survive was to merge. After much discussion, they said, well, we, we couldn't decide on the name, so someone spoke up and said, well, let's just call it Christian. And a fellow jumped up and said, I'll tell you, I was born a Baptist. I grew up a Baptist. And I'll never be anything but Baptist. And no one's going to make a Christian out of me. <laughs> the truth is, we put more stock in denominations sometimes than we do anything else. When in fact, we ought to put more stock in the Word of God I, I'm, not, I, I'm not going to change my sign. I am a Baptist from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. But I want you to know something. I'm a Baptist that believes the Word of God. Faith in faith or belief in belief is probably not going to get you very far. And so to know what we believe and why we believe it. A recent Gallup post uh, and this is staggering. This was before COVID. It's, it's most likely worse now. 82% of Americans believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. But notice, 51% have never read the Bible. 33% claim they read the Bible monthly. Half could not name the four Gospels. Pastor was going to candidate to a church, and there's a bunch of boys outside. So he thought he'd have a little fun. He said, Boys, boys, what did Joshua uh, uh, do to the walls of Jericho? 
What happened to the walls of Jericho? He goes in and, and preaches and, and they call him back and they interview him and they said, Pastor, and we want you to know that whatever them boys dumped that wall, we're going to find out and we're going to fix it. Truth of the matter was, they didn't know the Bible. 18%, 2 out of 10 read the Bible every day. 2 people out of 10. 23%, one in four say they've never read the Bible completely through. Americans revere the Bible, but they don't read the Bible. And because they don't read the Bible, we're a nation that's biblically illiterate. But why do we as Baptists believe the Bible to be God's eternal word? And by the way, this is proven to be a major division between liberals and conservatives, even within the Baptist denomination. That is a very, very hot thing, is, is, is why do we believe the Bible to be the eternal Word of God? Why is it do we believe here at Solid Rock Baptist Church that this King James Bible is... God's word for us. Well, let me give you four things tonight. And if you've not got notes, then write them down. First of all, we believe the Bible because it's inspiration. The Bible says, first of all, the movement of God upon the word. Second Timothy 3.16 All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That word inspiration means God breathed. When we, if you go to Genesis 1-2, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The Hebrew word for moved, and the Greek word for inspiration are derived from the same root. Actually, it's simply saying the Bible is inspired because it's the only God-breathed book. God breathed on this book. Amen. And he, he literally blew his breath upon its holy, eternal pages. Therefore, because God's the author of it, the Bible is free from error, contradictions, and flaws. Since God is perfect, everything He does is perfect, or, or any, uh, in any book He writes must be perfect. And so, the five, and it becomes the final authority in all matters. I told you earlier, I am thrilled to be a Baptist. But I'm more thrilled that God has given us a book and that needs to be the authority of everything we do. As a matter of fact, if you can't support it with the Word of God, it should not be a doctrine to you. It should not be part of your life because it ought to be the final authority. It's really, truly not what I think or you think. Or somebody else thinks 
It is what the Word of God says. I have been witnessing to people. And, um, and I'll, I'll find it won't be argumentative. And I'll usually stop and say, well, let me ask you a question. Do you believe the Bible is the Word of God? And if they say, well, no, not really. Then we've got no foundation to build anything on. It loses its relevance and, and you'll almost certainly lose. You, you can't convince them if you don't have an authority to what we're saying. By the way, because the movement of God upon the Word, notice the messengers of God with the Word. While God authored His Word, He used men to pin the Word down. Don't be misled to think that 40 different men who penned the book of God took it upon themselves to write it down. The Bible says in 2, Timothy, uh, 2 Peter 1, 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any in private interpretation. Here's what that says. Simply says this, these dudes didn't come up with this themselves. This is not a private thinking of their own. For the prophecy came not in all by the will of man, but by holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You could think of it this way. While God's pronouncing the word in heaven, he inspired holy men to pin it down on earth. He used 40 different men. Only one of them was a non-Jew, penned 66 books, 1,189 chapters, 31,373 verses, 70, 775,693 words which make up the inerrant, infallible, incorruptible Word of God. You take all of that and nothing contradicts itself in the Word of God. Someone said, well, I, I, no, that's your interpretation of it. God took men, it's amazing, God gave Isaiah something to write that didn't come to pass for seven, 8,000 years down the road. And it come to pass exactly the way Isaiah said it would. It's an amazing book. No book can ever do that. We have an amazing book. And we need to know the Word of God. We believe the Bible because of its inspiration. Number two. We believe the Bible because of its revelation. Hebrews 1, 1. Who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. First of all, I want you to see the first revelation of the word, God who has sundry times in divers manner spake his time past unto the fathers by the prophets. That word spake was the highest form of speech 
that one can use. The word sundry and divers simply means the same thing at different times, different places. It speaks of doing something different there in many various ways. And God spoke of old by the Old Testament prophets, Abraham, Jacob, Moses, Elijah, and Isaiah. And he used different men in the Old Testament. That was his first revelation. By the way, by the way, he used a lot of different ways. He spoke to them through dreams and visions and direct voices and signs and in different ways. He just he used all different ways. It was amazing. Some many give dreams. Let, let me now I'll get to that in just a minute. I'm getting ahead of my my mind's working faster than my tongue can get it out. So in Old Testament he he, he moved in, in dreams and in visions and and, uh, and and a whole lot of different ways. Matter of fact, in Old Testament he he hadn't had a donkey give a message to a man one time. Now, don't don't wait on your donkey to start speaking to you, Darcy. But if it does, you come get me. I want to hear it. But he did in Old Testament. He opened the mouth of a donkey and he spoke. It says, basically, why you beat me? I've been cutting your cocks around. Why you beat me? And so God used a lot of different things. That was his first revelation. But the final revelation, he spake in different times, in different places, different ways to men in the Old Testament. But verse 2, hath in these last days spoken to us by some who they have appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. The word spoken simply means did speak. It describes a final and a, a full revelation. But here's where the New Testament is so different from the Old Testament. All of it's good. Hallelujah. It's all good. But this is where it's different. The Old Testament was a revelation of the past. The New Testament is a final and full revelation. And the idea here is not that the word is what Jesus said, but that the word is what Jesus is. He is the word of God. It's not what he says. A lot of people say what they are, but they're not that at all. What Jesus said is who and what he is. Have I lost you there? Is everybody still with me? He is what he is. That's the reason the New Testament, you don't have uh, the visions and, and the dreams and because why? Got the word. Why give a vision when you got a printed word? And by the way, the printed word is still more powerful. I said this the other week. You can make an agreement, a verbal agreement with someone, and if there's a problem, there's probably a good chance you won't stand up in court. But if you've got a document, a written word that they have signed, that's binding. 
because the written word is powerful. So, I, we believe the Bible because of its inspiration, because it's revelation. Now, we believe the Bible because of its preservation. Here is where a great division has happened across our nation. As a fundamental conservative Bible-believing Baptist, we believe that the Bible is preserved Word of God. One of the truths I settled very early in my ministry was that the King James Bible was a preserved Word of God for an English-speaking people. I'm going to blow your mind now. Please understand, the original Bible was not written in English. It was written in Hebrew and Latin. I mean, Hebrew and Greek. Now, if we had a Hebrew Bible, you couldn't read it. If we had a Greek Bible, I could probably get a sentence or two out of it. I've had Greek, and I hated every second of it. But the truth is, it's hard. It's hard to read. And, um, and, but God's raising up a Greek scholar here sitting on the front row. And uh, it, it's very hard. They, uh, we, we read from left to right. The Greeks le- uh, read from right to left. And that's, that's very difficult. And uh, I, have enough, I have enough of it that I can recognize it. And, know, and I know what it, some words mean. But if we had a Bible, we couldn't read it. But why is the King James? Why do I believe that? Why, why, why is that so settled in my heart? First of all, and, and I, I want it settled in your heart because this is a great division. And it's really been a challenge. And, and we're challenged with it. I, I'm, I don't deceive and, or try to... I, I don't try to... To see myself, a lot of people have come through our church, probably didn't choose to stay because they're not settled on the Bible that's preserved the Word of God. And we got to get settled on this thing. First of all, the trials that, they, they, that this Bible has endured. The Bible's a book of great trials. They, the Hebrew transcripts, manuscripts were translated into the Greek around 200 B.C. Then a man by the name of Jerome translated the manuscripts into the Vulgate, which contained 80 books. And this was accepted by the Western Church to 900 A.D. And it was translated into 500 languages by 400 A.D. And, and then, but at the, by 600 A.D., the only uh, acceptable language was Latin, which led a man by the name of Wycliffe to translate it into a Middle English in 1384. William, then a man by the name of William Tyndale known as the father of the English-speaking Bible, he took the Bible and translated that into what we have 
today as in English. 1611, King James I approved of Tyndale's translation and is known as the authorized King James Version. Now, while governments have tried to destroy it, rulers have tried to eradicate it, philosophers have tried to stamp it out, it still stands as the eternal, hallelujah, word of God. As a matter of fact, and I can't go through all of it, but I was watching the uh, Pond Stars the other day, and um, men brought in a, a sheet, one sheet, and it was out of the Tyndale Bible. It was humong- It was really. It was really big. Is this real big? And he said, "I like to sell this thing." He calls a lady that's uh, an expert in, in books and all of this stuff. And when she got there, she said, Oh my God, can I, can, can I hold it? She said, Can I please hold it? She so carefully lifted that up. And it was a sheet, not the Bible, a sheet out of a Tyndale Bible. When it's all said and done, she said that thing was worth close to a million dollars. Of course, them tightwads didn't pay that. The truth of the matter was, if you could find one, it would be in sheets. It would not be a a complete Bible. They they probably got someone somewhere, but I don't know where it's at. But it's amazing. That Tyndale Bible... And 1611, when King James authorized that, approved the translation, it became become known as the King James Version. And, and there's been trials after trials after trials of this blessed book. Number two, the truth that has been embraced. Psalms 19.7 says, the law of God, the Lord is perfect. First, it's perfect, converting the soul. In other words, the Bible is without flaw. Is without flaws. It's a flawless truth, completely free from error. He said, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. We stop here and just say this. Since sixteen eleven. Up until the last three or four hundred years, this was the only English-speaking Bible people had. Now the argument is this. We need to change the translation so it can be better understood. Can I ask you a question? Are people more educated today than what they was 500 years ago? Would you agree with that? How many agrees with that? Yeah, 500 years ago, the same people, these uneducated people, these old men and women that would get the Bible down, 
with an oil lamp and they would read this blessed word and believe and do what this word said, they could understand it. My great-grandfather, my great-great-grandfather's named Charlie Steins. He was a free will Baptist preacher. And when he got to heaven, he found out he couldn't lose it. Amen. He thought he could always lose it. He got to heaven and found out he couldn't. And uh, he, um, he couldn't read. He couldn't read. And his wife read the Bible to him. He memorized what she told him. And he got up and preached. And preached for several, several years in pastor churches. And believed every word of it. Because the truth is, that truth was embraced. Second, it's proper. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoice in the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. I want to say about this book, and please understand this. The Bible doesn't offer suggestions. The Word of God, God is not going to debate with you about what you believe. I, I'm going to shock you. Are you ready? Uh, pull the belt good and tight so you don't fall out on the floor. The word, the word of God does not care what you believe. And your belief does not trump the Word of God. And, and the Word of God, when the Word of God's thou shalt not, like one man said, what's the heart about thou shalt not? The truth is, the Word of God is perfect. Second is proper. And in a chaos that's going on in our nation, the chaos of our country, of our country, I, I've never seen it. I ain't, I've never seen the craziness. You, you can't make this stuff up. It's a crazy. And the truth is, the truth is, in all the midst of the chaos, I want to be rooted to something that was settled years and years ago and has not changed. Amen. Let me help you. Years ago, years ago, uh, a young man asked me a question. And it went contrary to the Word of God. And it was a very challenging question. And he made a good argument. But I said, no, just follow the Word of God. And he did follow the Word of God, and it all turned out well. Because when we start arguing the Word of God, we're setting ourselves up for failure. I love this story. Billy Sunday, and Billy Sunday was much of a man and uh, he was preaching in the park when a heckler in the crowd shouted, there's not a verse in that Bible, it's true. You can't prove it's true. Billy suddenly just stopped, went out there, got the man in a headlock and twisted his nose and still started bleeding. The man stepped back and said, why did you do that? He said, I did it because of the, the Word of God. He said, the Bible says, surely the churning of milk brings forth butter, and the ring of the nose brings forth blood. 
He said, is that, is that evidence enough? And, and I'm not suggesting you do that. I'm just, I'm just simply saying, first, it is a preserved Word of God. And the argument made today, and, and, and by the way, it's hundreds have bought into it. Well, we got to write a book so it's easily understood. It's, it's not the problem I have of what I don't understand. It's the problem of what I do understand. Scriptures like, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I don't need, a, I don't need a, somebody to interpret that for me. I know exactly. Jesus died for the church. Why well, submit to yourselves as to your own husbands as unto the Lord. I don't, I, that don't need interpretation. It's not what I don't understand. It's what I do understand. And trust me, you do what you do understand. God give you wisdom to understand what you don't understand. I can't say that again. So the reality is, first, first, it is perfect. Second, it is proper. And third, it is permanent. The fear of the Lord is clean. Enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Because it's perfect, proper, pure, powerful, and permanent. We don't believe the Bible contains the Word of God. We believe it is the Word of God. I need to say that again. This become a tremendous debate in a Southern Baptist Association. Now, I, won't, I, won't, uh, I know I'm not ashamed of the fact we are not part of association. Now, that doesn't mean I dislike those folks. I, I love some. I got some great friends. They're Southern Baptists. But the great debate was, does the Bible contain the Word of God or is it the Word of God? So where do you come off on that? I believe it is the Word of God. Doesn't contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. And it's forever settled in heaven. And amen. So first of all, we believe the Bible because of its inspiration. We believe because of the revelation. We believe because of preservation. But then we believe this because of the application. While we do believe the Bible is history or his story, it's not just a Bible of his story. It's a book that God has given us for the demands, the decisions, the dilemmas, the difficulties of life. And it is filled with help. And the Bible says, we preached the other Wednesday night. I preached that we could come boldly to the throne of grace and find help in time of need. God's given us the plan. Your help 
run to the throne of God. Fall on your face and say, God, I need your help. God, I've come to you and I need your help. There is something about the word of God. And it, for, for the difficulties and the lift, every, every issue you have in your life, there's a principle that God has in the word of God to help you with that. It's amazing. First of all, for salvation. Being born again, not a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Notice what Romans 10, 17, for faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I like my screen. We do it for announcements and I hope you read them. There's a lot of work goes in that screen every week. And some of you need to wake up and read it. Amen. And you get all the announcements on the screen. However, and I started trying to use a screen to preach, but that's one of the things I chose not to because faith doesn't come by seeing. Faith cometh by hearing the Word of God. Several years ago, there was a movie. How I many watched the movie The Passion? Come out several years ago. There's crowds of men, churches, and, 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 and people was, all these people moved in tremendous. And it was a powerful movie, but it lacked something, something so monumental, something most people never seen or, or comprehended, and they totally missed the power of that movie because of one thing. Is in Aramaic and you couldn't understand the word that's being said. So it all came through the eye gate. You never heard anything. It came fast. It made a big hoop to hoop to doll churches. But then it quickly died. Why? Faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. I, I enjoyed our missionary last Sunday. He came to me for service. He said, I got some slides I want to show you people. I said, that's good. I have no problem with that. And I said, well, how long do you need? He said, well, I need about 35, 40 minutes. I said, I'll give you 15 he said, well, why just 15? I said, because. And I'll just be honest with you. I'm going to settle on this and, and than I ever have been in my lifetime. He wasn't a preacher. In every service, we need to hear the Word of God. We can see, and I enjoyed that. I'm glad what he had to say. But I'm going to tell you something. He took 20, that's okay. But I'm simply saying, we need to, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so it's for salvation. No, it's for sanctification. All scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction uh, in righteousness. H.R. Einstein said this, Doctrine, what is right. Reproof, what is wrong. Correction, how to make it right, that which is wrong and instruction in righteousness how to keep right that which is right. The Bible is profitable because God uses His Word to make Christians 
what He wants us to be. He uses it to wash us and to warn us. He uses it to purify us and prepare us. He uses it to cleanse us and conform us. He uses it to save us and sanctify us. A preacher was about to leave home on a journey. And he packed his suitcase, but he found he had little room. And speaking to a friend, the preacher said, I, I've got just one little spot left, but in that little spot, I'm going to pack a guidebook, a lamp, a mirror, a telescope, a book of poems, a number of biographies, a bundle of old letters, a hymn book, a sword, a small library of 30 volumes. His friends looked at him and said, you're kidding. He said, no. He said, by the way, I call that my Bible. And that's what this book is. It is a shame. By the way, and I, I, I do want to challenge you. Uh, Elijah, I need you to do something for me. Go in my office, in my briefcase, and bring me that Bible I have there, please. Um, I'm going to challenge you. I don't care how busy you are. I don't care what you've got to do. I, it makes, you're not going to sell that argument to me. We eat out too much. We watch a cell phone too much. We watch TV too much. We do too many other things. We play too much to, for, for, for that dog to hunt. Truth is, shame on you if you've been saved over five years and you've never read your Bible completely through. You ought to know what that book says. But if you haven't, I'm not going to quarrel at you. Yeah. You need to start. And you can start any time of the year. Buy you a cheap paperback Bible that's got every date on it, dated. It takes you about... The, uh, the out, if you're a slow reader, duh, 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 you can read it in five minutes. Hey, gentlemen, I know you hate to read. It won't take you but five minutes at the beginning of the day. Get up five minutes early in every day of the week. Take a few minutes. You don't have to highlight yours. I highlight everything I read. But I highlight it. But it's amazing what God will have to say to you if you just take a few minutes. You say, you just don't understand how busy. So you mean to tell me you can't give God five minutes a day? And you say, why you got to buy, why you have to do it that way? Because that, that holds me accountable. And it's, it's so simple. It's so simple. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, I'm not going to do it because we didn't start it, but next year I, I, may, I may purchase a slew of these things because we, we need to be in the book. And you know what the Bible says. King James Version, one-year Bible. Cheap, cheap, they're not very expensive. And if you can't afford one, let me know. I'll buy you one. 
because we need to be in the Word of God. More today, more today, what the Word of God does in a world that's moving beyond imagination, you need to be rooted in something that's not moving. You need to be rooted in something that's not moving. Guess what? Guess what? Next week, this Bible's going to say the same thing it says tonight. Isn't it amazing? Next month, this Bible's going to say the same thing it said yesterday. Next year, this Bible's going to say the, the same thing it says tonight. It's not moving. I'm going to ask you a question. Do you think the world's moving? Yes. My gosh. It's awful. I've never... I tell you, it's, it's hard to believe you can make a mess the way they're doing it. You, you, you have to work to make the mess they made. I, I've never seen anything like it. But when I get to thinking like that, I go back to the book and I want to get rooted in the Word of God I'm going to be rooted in why we believe the Word of God. I'm going to tell you one story and I'm done. Early morning of August 11th, 1977. In a Brooklyn Police Department, David Buckowitz calmly confessed to his captors he was the son of Sam. He was part of the largest manhunt in the history of New York City. And when they arrested him, he said, Well, you got me. How come it took you so long? By the time he finally stopped, 13 innocent victims would be shot. Seven of those would lose their life to the man who would become known as the son of Sam. They really never knew why he just shot people. He just did. Nearly 37 years later, a letter came to this same precinct on March 17, 2014. And the letter read this. Dear brethren in Christ, warm greetings to you in the name of our wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My name is David. We see 10 years into his sentence, a stranger walked up and said, You're the son of Sam. He said, Yes. He said, Well, the Lord laid on my heart to give you this Bible. And his first comment was, that Bible ain't going to help me. I'm a serial killer. I'm a murderer. And the man said, just please read it. At first, Berkowitz refused to believe that Jesus would even want to save a man like him. 
But at one day, while he was reading the Bible, Psalms 34, verse 6, this poor man cried out to the Lord and he heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. And Berkowitz knelt on that cold prison floor and asked Christ to come in his heart and save him. David Berkowitz has spent his days since then spreading hope to thousands of inmates. In a recent statement, he said, God is using my infamous past as a display to his power to transform even the worst sinners and show forth great mercy and salvation is available to everyone, all because somebody gave me a copy of the Word of God. Do not underestimate the power of a word from God. Do not underestimate the power of the word of God. We are Baptist, not because of a denomination. I'm glad. I'm not going to take my Baptist sign down, but we are Baptist who believe it to be the word of God. And we need to get rooted in that. You need to get rooted in that. And we need to be rooted in the Word of God. Let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know what you might have tonight, what your need might be. I know this. Whatever that need is, why don't you come and let God help you. No matter what that need is, what the circumstances are. Bible says, come to the throne of grace to find help in a time of need. It's what the Bible says, by the way. Oh, whatever you might need tonight, why don't you find your place and allow God to help you, whatever need you have.